All right, now it is time for our guest pick segment for this week, man. It's going to be a good one. We have the one and only Eric Braden. He's got a very, very crazy backstory. Yeah, I mean, uh, to all the listeners out there, most undoubtedly will recognize him as Victor Newman from The Young and the Restless, right. the iconic role he's been in for nearly four decades now. But this man is also a best-selling author. He's won two national championships in two different sports, track and field and soccer. Okay, I mean, amazing. That's won epic. the daytime Emmy for, for his role on uh, The Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. But after reading his book, I'll Be Damned, um, it just an extraordinary life story about what he's been able to overcome and what he's been able to do with that coming from Germany to America and the amount of dignitaries this man has met, the the, the people that he's been able to interact yeah. with and, and what he's been able to do is just astonishing. And I can't wait for everybody to hear his story and, and, and what he has to say because I think it's inspiring and I think that people will be inspired to go after what they want after hearing how he's been able to do what he's been able to do and what he came from. So yes. oh, there he is. Phone's ringing. Let's yep. get it. Hello? Is this Dustin? It is Dustin. Hi, is this Mr. Braden? This is Eric Brayden. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? What's going on? Uh, not too much. Uh, I'm here with Logan. Uh, and first of all, let us just say thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us today. We really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Where are you located? Uh, we are down on the Gulf Coast, about an hour outside of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. What, Biloxi or where? Uh, Biloxi, yeah. exactly. <laughs> really? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, and uh, we haven't found fall yet. It's very yeah. hot and humid here. In fact, I think it's like 105 today with the heat index. It's kind of crazy, but no kidding. Oh yeah. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh yes. No kidding. Uh, so. Uh, well, like I said, I, I, I'll, I'll start off right away with saying that um, I, I read the book, and uh, it's just absolutely one of the best reads I've had in the last several years, for sure. Um, oh, that's nice to know. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, it's perfectly titled. By the end of the first chapter, I was exactly saying I'll be damned. Um, <laughs> it, right. it, it was an epic story at the end of the first chapter. <laughs> so, uh, nice. extremely, extremely thought out, well-written book. Um, and I have so many things that I want to ask you from that story. It's just incredible. Um, that's, that's so nice to hear. But, well, I guess uh, what I, we'll start off with, though, you just recently got back from uh, Germany, from taking a trip back over to Germany, right? That's right. And um, that was to see family, and I think I saw that you also saw some of your former teammates, correct? The reason I went is to see my former teammates. It's the 60th anniversary of when we won the German Youth Championship in, in track and field. We're the smallest town uh, to win it, and we beat Hamburg and Munich and Berlin and all that. And uh, this is the first time in 60 years that I've seen some of the guys oh, wow. I won it with. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, definitely wow. time yeah. to go back and celebrate then. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on that. And um, Thank you. Yeah, I know reading the book, it's, it's prevalent throughout that sports played an extremely important role in your life. Um, and getting you through some difficult times, and and I guess kind of teaching you some stuff about how to deal with situations. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I would say the 
I would say the most important thing in my uh, life. Yeah. Absolutely, and yeah. and like I said, that's prevalent throughout the book. And uh, I, I I thought it was interesting because it it, it seemed to go from from sport to sport to sport yeah. with the uh, uh, potential boxing. I think even at one point, I remember reading that you had gotten like four concussions at one point. Oh my goodness! And that's <laughs> right. you were kind of uh, I got to find a non-contact sport kind of a thing, and but almost that's went to right. boxing anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, some of us never learn. Uh, that's anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, between the age of nine and twelve, I had four concussions. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's and, uh, so. But each time, and this might be a good thing for people to who listen to learn. Uh, each time, my country doctor, a lady, always insisted on me staying in bed for three weeks after each concussion. Oh three wow. Weeks. So that may explain why I now have become an actor. I'm <laughs> uh, but that probably explains why I really don't have any, I don't think I've been doing um, damage from that period, although I probably should be examined by a neurologist. Um, but I don't have trouble remembering things, I'm memorizing my dialogue or Shakespeare or whatever. Oh, that's good. So I think the fact that she ordered rest uh, for three weeks, I think helped me. Uh, absolutely, uh, definitely. It's unlike what you normally do in sports, where you say, you know, you had your bell rung a little bit, go back in. Well, right, right. That apparently is not a good thing to do. No, no, and and so prevalent today in sports with yeah. uh, football, especially. Oh you God, see, yeah. they bring them over and they give them a little eye test and send them right yeah, back right out, right like back you out. said. It's bullshit. It's yeah, bullshit, it's complete know? bullshit. And, and, and I and I love I love football. I just love football. I love American football. Yes, I, 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 um, I see you're happy with the Rams this year so far, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, so I've suffered through good years and bad years, so I'm right there with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, well, I, re- I remember the Cowboys of Tom Landry and, and, and Starbuck and all those guys. Oh, absolutely. Me too. That yeah. that was my team growing up, and, you know, I've, I've had some Later tough on. years. <laughs> Later on, Aikman and, and Emmett Smith and all those guys. Yeah. Yes, early. sir. Um, yeah, I used to watch the Cowboys a lot. And um, uh, they, I guess, well, have been taking a beating lately. Though. Yeah, yeah. So it's, maybe, it's, they're, maybe they're on the way back. Who knows? I, I'm <laughs> hoping so. I'm, I'm hoping we can turn it around. It's been a rough few years. <laughs> so were you able to uh, visit I, with the brothers while you were out in Germany as well? Yeah, I have three brothers, exactly. Oh, uh, awesome. one younger. Yes. Right. And, and how long had it been but since the, you had... But the, elders, but the elders before I came... He broke his shoulder. He shot oh, at his no. left shoulder. Oh. And uh, so <laughs> I spent most of the time driving him around. <laughs> you know? Personal chauffeur. Yeah. That's right. Out of a vacation. Oh, yes. Uh, nice. um, yeah. I saw the photos, though, and they were beautiful. They I mean, were. it's just an absolutely beautiful, scenic uh, place over That's there. Beautiful and, countryside. Uh, absolutely. Beautiful countryside. Uh, and now, yeah. had it been a long time since you had been back to see the family as well? No, last time was four years ago. Four years ago, okay. Yeah, but always, you know, always for a short time. In other words, about two weeks or three weeks at the most. And um, you sort of almost get to know things again, and it seems familiar, yet it's... You, you realize you've been gone for 60 years, you know, right, right. 59. Right, and yeah. I would imagine it's kind of changed drastic, drastically since the 18-year-old that left on the boat compared to what it is not now. Really. So. Not really that much, to be honest. Really? Really? No, That's not, interesting. No, not really that much. The, the sad thing is that all the old farmers on, on whose farms I used to work and who knew my father and all that, and I would always uh, stop by and, and invite me for schnapps and 
we will shoot the shit, and 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 you know they're gone now, they're past. Yeah. Wow. So it's 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 a new generation, and there's some connecting links, but um, love the countryside, love the countryside. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the childhood because it's definitely an impressive part of the book. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people realize, I mean, just from the very start of the book, the way you were born yeah. was just crazy to begin with. Um, and oh, yeah. what you've been, you know, you went through and you were able to overcome just before you even got on the boat to come to America was quite impressive. Um, if we if we can talk about that a little bit. Um, yep about how basically your father was the mayor of the town, correct? And you were yep. an affluent, if if not rich, at least of well means. And you kind of had to go through a, a position of poverty after after the war, correct? Yeah, well, after, after he died. He yeah, died when yeah. I was 12. And um, um, why, who knows? But it's, it's too complicated to get into. But um, uh, after the war... Put it very simply, all the ones who fled from the Russians, from Eastern Prussia, from from Sardinia, from all those areas, they used to come to obviously the West, among others to my area up in Schleswig-Holstein, that's north of Hamburg, mm-hmm. and they would get all the free credits from the government without interest, and anyone who was a native of that area which my family was, mm-hmm. my father would not get those same credits. I see. And uh, that was a way for them to um, balance out the difference between those who had lost everything and those who supposedly had something. But uh, my father also uh, suffered enormously from the effects of the war, and uh, they took everything during the war partly. Um, we had five or six different trucks, and... Uh, the army then, the German army then requisitioned three or four of them. And oh, wow. then when the Brits came in, they requisitioned the last one. And that was it. And after the war, after my father um, came back from, from a prison, um, he would not get credits. And he suffered a defeat, financial defeat, simple as it is, and died. Right. Wow. And, and, and I was 12. I didn't understand any of it then. I yeah. was very close to my dad and uh, didn't understand any of it. So uh, from that day on, I questioned authority. Um, I had fights. You know, you get angry. You yes. become pissed off about a number of things. So I had a lot of fist fights, and, and um, you know, don't take any shit. So still don't. <laughs> it's, that's, anyway. No, I, that, I, I love that you phrased it just like that, because actually in my notes, I wanted to say that it was one of the other themes that I caught throughout the book, and I have high respect for you in the fact that you are a man who says what he thinks and isn't afraid to say it, even if it is in disagreement with someone else, and those that's exact right. words, you don't take any shit. Exactly. <laughs> like, no. and, and I love that, yeah. I, I, and it, it was throughout the book, in certain situations, be it prior to your acting career or in the acting career, you've always stood up for yourself and for what you believed in and what was right. And sure. I, I love that. I, I, I love that. Uh, one of the stories that pops into my mind is with the soccer team when you were coaching your son's soccer team and the guy right. came out there and was doing some crazy stuff and you just let him have That's it. Right. And I loved That's that. Right. <laughs> so um, I commend you for yeah. that. I, I, I respect people highly who stand up for themselves and don't take shit from people and yeah. demand respect. Yep. Um, yep. 
Your mom and dad both seemed like very strong people. For the impression I got in the book, I mean, what your mom must yep. have had to have endured. They wanted to. They wanted to kick me out of school because I had a had a fight with a guy, and and uh, you know happened to hit him down. And uh, as he, the teacher came in and I said, "Do you want something to?" I was fourteen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they wanted to throw me out of school, and then my mother came to the talk to the director of the school and said, how do you think I deal with four strong boys, headstrong boys, as a widow, and you can't deal with one of them? Right. Mm -hmm. And that apparently made sense. Absolutely. So they kept me in that school. Anyway, absolutely. Yeah. So, so okay. So, a, a strong upbringing, and, and again, I think sports helped to deal with a lot of that anger and helped you you get out of those certain situations or learn to deal with those situations a little bit. Got involved oh, with yeah. sports and track and field, and and yep. um, excelled in those areas, and then carried that over when you came over to America. It still played a highly important role in your life, and and to this day oh, still God, does. Yeah. So l let's kind of make the transition from when you're 18 and you're getting on a boat and coming to America for the first time. Mm -hmm. That had to have been quite the experience. Just I loved your your uh, section when you say you're you're coming up and you see the Statue of Liberty and the skyline the sky and skyline, what that was yeah. like um, right. coming over. Uh, I mean, I, just myself being born here, the first time I had been to that, it was awe-inspiring. So I can only imagine what it was like coming over on the boat to see that. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll never forget it gives you, uh, it just gives you goosebumps, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 whoa, I mean, I mean, America, as, as a kid growing up, we, you know, America comes with visions of, of cowboys and Indians mm -hmm. and, and uh, Louis Armstrong and, and, and Lyle Hampton and, and uh, my God almighty, uh, Joe Lewis and, and, and it just, America, everything is larger in America. Everything is right. just disproportionately large. You know, it's it's uh, um, it's hard to describe when you come from a well-regulated society, and it has to be well-regulated because you live on a small area. Mm -hmm. um, and you come to America, you just sort of you you feel that 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 freedom. You know, you feel that uh, that sort of anything goes. Uh, um, atmosphere it's it's very hard to describe but then new york of course you know when you this was in the end of beginning of june mm -hmm. and it was very humid i remember man humidity that i'd never experienced before right and you just you just sort of the i mean the cacophony of new york alone you know the noises and the honking horns and the cars and, and people in all kinds of colors black white i mean and it, it's it's incredible, mm -hmm. what an incredible impression. And uh, I'll never forget it, never forget it. Um, it's all inspiring. And, yeah. and then you, you know, then when you drive through, as I did with the Greyhound bus through the South and all that, um, obviously you, at that time you saw the very, you know, uh, sad signs of, of, of um, total discrimination. Mm-hmm. And for whites only, for colors only, and all that. And that, that was the case in 1959 still. But you also, at the same time, and that's a feeling I never, never lost in America. This is a powerful, powerful country. Jesus. This is really a powerful country. And you should not, when I hear paranoia and people about that other nation or that other nation, I always have to laugh. I said, are you kidding me? No one will come up to the strength and power of America. No one does. It's, it's, it's not even comparable. 
the combination of of new blood, new immigrants. You know, the Germans, by the way, constitute the largest ethnic group in America. I don't know whether you knew that. Uh, no, I did not. But uh, It's the largest ethnic group in America. Wow. Interesting. Because of both world wars, people kept on denying it and kept on, you know, sweeping it under the carpet. Well, that's bullshit. Germans are the largest ethnic group in America. They have contributed enormously to the success of America, to the backbone of the Mid Midwest, for example. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. I could not agree with you more. Uh, my sentiment is the same, uh, and I, I, it's a great transition because I do want to talk to you a little bit about about that. I know, um, and I, I'm glad that you brought up the German immigrants because it, it wasn't something that I was aware of. But I know you have done active work uh, for a long time with uh, German and American relations and uh, Jewish relations, and it is one of the things. You know, even as a young man, I was aware of. Um, the the ridiculous notion that all Germans were Nazis, um, and 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 to go through that you know ridiculous nature of, and you see it even now in in different areas. You know, um, all Muslims are terrorists, and or all black men are thugs, or you know, unfortunately, it's still something we're seeing in society today. Um, but I w- I would you agree with you. Everywhere. You see it everywhere in the world, it, and, and the only way to. The only way to undo that or to ameliorate it, to, to soften those hard-edged issues, is to talk to each other, is to get to know one another. That's where dialogue comes from. And that's the essence of democracy. And that's what this goddamn Congress is not doing. They're not talking to each other. There's a total partisan divide, starting with Newt Gingrich, and now perpetuated by Mitch McConnell who will not, under any circumstances, compromise with the other side. What the hell is that all about? That is undemocratic. That is un-American. Absolutely agree. I think I think the best way to describe it for for me is what you just said. I think too many people judge people by the cover and don't open the book and read. And you can't make an assumption. Yeah, it, to know each other, get to talk to each other. Exactly. And then you discover what you have in common as human beings. Right, because once you do that, you'll realize quickly that we have far more in common than we do not. And and that's that's where you make inlay, and that's where you start to make agreements and concessions and, and compromise. Uh, agree 1,000%. Do I understand, for example, do I understand those people in America who lost their jobs because of, because of global and, and, and because of uh, technology and all that? Of course I do. Damn right I do. Who wouldn't understand that? I grew up in poverty. I know. Of course I understand. But I, what I don't understand is is when they're being fed a bunch of bullshit. Right. In other words, how do we solve these problems? We need to talk about that. We need to have dialogue about that. Serious dialogue about it, you know? Agreed. It's, I, I... It's, do I understand Do I understand the farmer now in, in, in the Midwest? I mean, I, I grew up on farms. I know how hard those people work. They're the hardest, unbelievably hard work. Incredible. Very insecure job. You never know what the harvest will bring. It's, 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 so, but we need to talk to each other. And to have with the platforms of the Democratic Party, Republican Party, I can't stand either of them sometimes. Let's talk to each other. Let's, what is the problem? How can we solve it? Instead of talking in, 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 in you know, gen, uh, generalizations. 
it's it's anyway i absolutely love everything you just said i could not agree more i think this this it's either black or white there is no more middle ground anymore nobody wants to hear what anybody else has to say it's either their way or no way and nothing will ever get accomplished like that nothing look if this if this is fundamentally let's say a christian nation a religious nation that one of the essences of that is empathy. Yes. One of the essences of the Christian faith, I grew up with that, so I can't talk about the others, I don't know anything about them. Okay, but the essence of Christianity is forgiveness and empathy, to understand the fate of what someone else is going through. If I, if I were, if I just put yourself once in the shoes of a black man. Right. Or a black woman. They are... A friend of mine, who I did a play with in New York in, in the 60s, Clarence Williams III, said, man, you have no idea. You don't know what I go through on a daily basis. I'm looked at askance on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Can he help that he was born with a dark color? Can any of us help that I was born in, 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 in Nazi Germany? Can anyone help that he was born into a Jewish family? Can anyone help that he was born to a Muslim family? Where the fuck does this prejudice come from? Exactly. these people. Exactly, exactly. Put yourself into other people's shoes. And if you are a Christian, then you will do that. Then you will empathize. Then you will forgive and forgive yourself. I, Instead of harboring these, 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 these obnoxiously hostile attitude towards people of another color, another faith. That goes for all sides, by the way. There are Muslims who are prejudiced towards, towards Christians. There are Jews who are prejudiced towards Christians. Right. There are Christians who are prejudiced towards... So let's, not, let's include everyone. We all need a dose of that. A dose of forgiveness, a dose of reaching out, of talking to someone and saying, listen, man, what are your problems? What, what are you worried about on, on, on a daily basis? Well, most of us are worried about making a living, yeah. surviving, yeah. Do we have enough health insurance. Anyway. I have to ask yeah. you, because I, 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 I want to touch on this just a little bit, and uh, I, I, because I'm extremely interested in your point of view on this. Um, coming from the background that you came from and fighting so hard to, to, uh, to educate people, um, correctly on on certain issues dealing with with Nazi Germany and and the way it really was and the way it wasn't and what you've had to deal with. There's a lot of comparison to the current resident in the White House about the populist approach that he's taking and 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 the wanting to, as you said, make America great again and and controlling what the message is through the fake news, if you will. Um, what are your thoughts and observations on that? And uh, I mean, is that a fair comparison in your eye and and I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. First of all, right off the bat, there's no comparison, okay? This notion here, make America great again, to me is, is, is a bunch of bullshit. America is great. It is great, period, out gone. Who, who buys that Kool-Aid? Now, do I understand the miners in West Virginia? You're damn right I do. I know, I come from that world of making a hard scrabble living. I know it. So I understand their fury. I really do. I don't quite believe in the solution. It, 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 it just needs to be explained. We need to, and then we need to do something about it. Exactly. Obviously. People lost their jobs, lost their income. You know what that feels like? I know what it feels like. Absolutely. When you lose your job, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, when you don't know if your mother's going to be thrown out of the house because she can't pay the rent. I know what that feels like. When you have three or four kids, you don't know whether to send them to school hungry or, or with nothing to wear or no shoes or whatever. I know. I grew up in that world. The point is that we need to not, not now 
look, to me the notion of a guy who grew up as a super millionaire in, in New York City, never worked a day in his life, and now telling people who really suffer how he's going to solve it, that's a joke to me. If he were to solve it, great. I'd be all for him. He ain't solving it. Right. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, look, but this is such a, to compare those two is ridiculous. For anyone to start out, for anyone to start out with the notion, make America great again, America is great. Okay. It's as simple as it is. I fundamentally disagree with that very paradigm that we need to make it great again. It is great. Let us remind ourselves of who we are and what we have accomplished. Let America remind itself of what it has done internationally, has done great, great, great work. I come from a country that if it hadn't been for America, we would not now be a democracy in all of Western Europe. Okay? We would not be. If it hadn't been for America and American troops and NATO, which America really started and, and led, most of Europe would now be under communist rule. I have to thank Wilson, I have to thank Bush, I have to thank all those guys for standing up to the Russians. Yes. Because we now know, we now know that they, in their drawers, they have plans for conquering Western Europe. So, to those critics, for example, also on the left in Europe that criticize America, I said to all of you, without America, you would not live in a democracy. You would not have the, uh, the right to criticize anything. That's a fact. That's the truth. We, we started the United Nations. We started with the League of Nations after the First World War to prevent all future wars. And then after the Second World War, we said, we really got to stop this now. We created the United Nations to talk about things. Yes. So we wouldn't have another catastrophic war. Anyone who wants war hasn't been in it. He doesn't know what it is. Okay, but so goes you out very quickly. It's, it's, it. America has been the leading example and people want it to stay the leading example. So we get criticism from you on there. So what? Anyone who is in an exposed position, anyone who is in a position of power is criticized. That's, you know, part of the course. Absolutely. But America has done so much good in the world. And also some bad here and there, obviously, but so much good in the world. Most of the world would not be democratized without America. Let's face it. Uh, I so stop this bullshit of saying make America great again, as if there's something wrong with this country. I, I could not thank you. Thank you, sir, for being so honest. Thank you for... for uh, your dialogue there, because I, I could not agree with you more. First of all, I agree wholeheartedly with you that the comparison is ridiculous. If you can't educate yourself about what really happened and what Hitler really was, and make this ridiculous comparison, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And you I could not agree with you more. Right. of of meaningless money to buy a loaf of bread, for example. Right. They stood in line. For hours to get something. How the hell do you compare that with now? Exactly. Exactly. There's one. There's one other thing. You know that there's there's an underlying fear among some whites of the losing power. In other words, this fear mongering. I, I just can't stand it. I cannot stand it. We are a great nation, and and how many look? How many intellects have we wasted by prejudice? How many extraordinary bright people are there? I have. I know. Immigrants here from south of the border who barely speak English when they come here. They work their asses off. They work so damn hard. They never complain. They work so hard. And you know what? I know a lot of their children who are now getting degrees in, in, in biochemistry and engineering and all kinds of things. The waste of intellect. 
Why don't we start looking at South America and their governments down there and complain about that shit? Right. That's what we should complain about. How can those governments allow conditions to exist in South America and their societies as they exist now? That's what we should pay attention to. They're corrupt beyond, beyond imagination. That's how corrupt they are. They don't allow the lower classes to come up through education, etc. Think of the enormous waste of intellect, of energy, of, of contribution. That's what America is for. That's why they all come here. Because this way you can realize your dreams with hard work. Not everyone does, but at least you can. I know a lot of people whose children, I used to play soccer against many of them, mm -hmm. Latins, who barely spoke English. Look at their kids now. They graduate master's degrees, etc., etc. How wonderful is that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, on the other hand, when it comes to, and I agree with Trump on that, when it comes to uh, illegals coming across the border, to that I have to say, what utter hypocrisy for the last decades. Namely, just let's take California, and now also I think New Mexico and Arizona and, and uh, some southern states. All the immigrants that come over here, illegals and illegals, mostly illegals, provide cheap labor. Here in California, the biggest industry, one of the biggest industries is agriculture. The agricultural sector in California would break apart if it were not for the cheap labor, okay? Mm -hmm. So we have been hypocritical about that for I don't know how many decades. Don't you tell me that we don't have the wherewithal to close the damn border. Are you kidding me? Of course we do. But on the other side, oh no, no, don't close it completely because we still need that cheap labor. <laughs> the entire gastronomical infrastructure in California, the service industry, would break tomorrow if it weren't for illegal immigrants and sometimes legal immigrants. Now, am I for illegal immigrants? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Absolutely not. Apply to get in here. Right. I came as a legal immigrant. I had to apply, sign up papers, the whole thing. So why the hell should someone come here illegally and, and demand all kinds of things? I'm, I, I disagree with that. Stand in line, fill out your forms, and wait for, for passage. That's all. But we have enabled the illegal immigrant to come over because we need him as cheap labor. Right. That's the truth, and no one wants to face it. That's uh, exactly. Well said. Well said. Uh, again, agree uh, wholeheartedly on every point you just made, and I, I, I think your your the your approach, your dialogue that you use to describe the situation is spot on. And again, I can't I can't reiterate enough. I wish that more people would would speak as you do and say things as bluntly as you do and maybe get the attention of the people that need to be paying attention because you're right they're there they don't deal with it they don't want to hear it they shove it aside and and we need to have a dialogue and talk about it and you're exactly correct you've done you've done you've done a lot of dialogue like this um you were appointed to the german advisory american advisory board and you do speak out on so many issues like this have you ever thought of maybe taking that in a in another direction or is it just something like you you would never have the patience to kind of tolerate what goes on there. Have you ever thought about politics? To be honest with you, I, I would not have the patience. Yeah. I, I just, to be very frank with you, I mean, uh, I, no, I would not have the patience. You know, it's, 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 no. Um, yeah, if I were younger and, and, and uh, no, I just don't have the patience. I, I, I completely I, understand. Uh, I mean, I, I, especially... So, Hearing you talk and hearing your passion, I, I can, you'd be 
bashing your head on the wall trying to get through to these people, I could just imagine. Um, so <laughs> I totally I totally get that. But again, I want to thank you, sir, for, for your dialogue. And for, and I think it's important that, that the dialogue gets out there. It's prevalent throughout your book. It was prevalent in this conversation uh, for the uh, in this interview. And, and I thank you. I respect you. And, and I think that more people, again, should be should be like you. Oh. Just remember, this is a great, great country. It is the greatest in the okay. world. And, and it, is, it is based on the notion of justice. It's based on the notion of democratic uh, dialogue. It is also, by the way, based on the notion of innocent until proven guilty. Yes. And that's a remark about the Me Too movement. I, I, I wish that one of the guys would finally say, listen, come here, let me take you to court. I'll take you to court. Now, in some cases, I'm sure it's justified. But what, what country are we living in now that people are just hearsay? You know, they hear rumors. Right. People lose their, 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 their jobs. Their professions. What's that all about? Absolutely. Listen, we talk about this every week on our show. We have this discussion, and I'm 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 so glad you brought it up. By, I am by no means defending some ass who is using his his uh, his malehood that he is a little stronger than a woman and and forces her to that that is abhorrent to me. Oh, uh, exactly. He is a sign of a loser. He's a loser. Absolutely. I mean, the, the idea that that I would have to force myself on a woman—that's you're a loser. Exactly. But the point is, but the point is, it still needs to be proven. Proven, exactly. You are innocent until proven guilty. That is the essence of jurisprudence in this country. Now, in some in some cases, those guys deserve what they've been getting, but that's all in the window. That's all hearsay. Look, this is what everyone needs to be taught, boys and girls. Let's speak very openly and honestly about this. As a boy, we learn to keep on trying, to keep on trying until you get to the prize, right? Right. In other words, don't give up. So what we all have to learn as men and boys and as girls and as women is if a woman decidedly says no, that means no. Now, any man who's sick enough to go beyond that and then pursue it, although she's categorically and clearly said no, but say no in a definitive way, because let's be honest, my generation grew up with the notion of, well, if it's no, uh, no, not now, no, that meant you kept on trying. Now, if a woman had said no, that she, as a normal man, you say, oh, wait a minute, she's certainly not interested. If a woman says categorically no, that means most men who are healthy would say, whoa, 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 she doesn't want me, right. not interested in me, so, that, so you stay away, Okay. But if it's a hesitant no, most guys say, oh, hmm, well, I should keep on trying. That has nothing to do with some sons of bitches abusing their powerful positions to get what they want and then threatening the woman with losing a job or whatever. That's sick. It is. That needs to be stopped. No question about it. Agreed. Agreed. I, th- I think you. I think you hit it right on the head. I think you. I think you're spot on with everything you just said about the movement. Um, coming from, uh, have you noticed? Um, and a different. Uh, has it affected how people are approaching their careers from what you've seen? Because they're scared of being accused of something they didn't do. Have you seen it actually had a drastic change in people within your industry on a personal level? Well, not on a personal level, no, no, no. But I mean, it's, it's no. I mean, let's let's not exaggerate the the you know in, in most uh, interviews and in most 
uh, everything happens in, 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 in a very courteous way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, there are exceptions, of course, apparently. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, that's unforgivable as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. To use your position of power to force a woman to do your bidding, that's obnoxious. It you're, is. You're a loser. You're a loser. Period. So, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's all quite clear, but I think they should have demonstrations on television. Uh, instead of talking and talking and talking, have demonstrations. They're okay. Use, use actors. Use, she says no, it's no. Boom, that's it, but not, no, well, not now. And, uh, what? Right. But to a guy who thinks he's worth his salt, that means he'll pursue it. Any normal man, as far as I'm concerned, if he doesn't feel reciprocity, if he doesn't feel that the woman also finds him interesting, he isn't interested. That's it. Right. But make it clear. Say, buddy, I'm not interested. <laughs> no, that's it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the dialogue. I just, I, I love the honesty and, and, and I just, I, I, I love that you make your point and, and get it out there. Um, so, I, I, okay, I want to kind of bring it back because you, your trek to even get to where you're at today is, is quite remarkable. Um, from living out the dream as a cowboy to cutting up cadavers in Texas and, you know, parking cars. It, it's been quite the trek to get where you are today, has it not? Uh, you bet. But, you know, it's, it's um, uh, yeah, been, been tough here and there, but I it just, uh, how should I put it? Um, there's a there's a good will in America. When when you are willing to work hard, when you're willing to do it, most people will help you. Yes. You know, it's 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 they will they will pat you on the back and say good for you. Right. And and uh, that is not as open of a case in Europe, for example, or other other nations. It isn't. It isn't. You know, you you met with a lot of envy and other, in, for example, in, in, in Germany. Hmm. If you climb the ladder. It's, it's, um, um, America is just still remembers, it's a collective, in its collective memory, that you, 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 every immigrant who came here needed help somewhere along the line. Right. You know, someone helped him get on the horse, and, and, um, or several people. Um, yeah. 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 Was it tough? Yeah, here and there, of course. Right. I'd, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. But again, it's a testament to to your upbringing in Germany and and your understanding of hard work and hard work gets you where you need to be. And and I agree with you wholeheartedly that when people recognize the hard work, they're going to help you because they recognize the hard work and what you're willing to do and what you're willing to sacrifice. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And your accomplishments have just been amazing. I'll tell you, the one thing that stood out to me in the book that I thought was a really interesting passage was about the river of no return and being one of two men to first successfully make that trip um i had no idea about that that that's amazing if you if you want to talk a little bit about that because that that's a story in itself about how you just refused to give up and you guys were able to accomplish the trip that's amazing right well that was in 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 idaho on the salmon river Mm -hmm. the river of no return and uh, it was in 1960 and um um you know what can i tell you um tough but I want to see it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> I only see it again going down there you go <laughs> river, you may, know, may, maybe not river. so much coming back right um, in, in, a, in a malleable rubber boat not 
but if I were to do it again against the rapids, only in a jet boat. <laughs> Understood. Well, you know why? Uh, uh, you know why? Uh, you know why? Because the regular uh, the forty horsepower Johnson Motors mm-hmm. motor had a propeller at the, at the, at the bottom. Right? Oh, okay. So, and that is what makes it so difficult. You go through a rapid, and you think you're through it, and then you see calm water. What you don't realize is under that calm water loom rocks. Mm, right. So, it, it, and we lost it uh, three times, uh, closest I've been to death afterwards. And um, in a jet boat, that doesn't happen. I see. Okay. Do you understand? I do. That's uh, it. Because what, what you do is when you face a rapid, you look for the opening. You say, wait a minute, that seems to be the softest spot. Let's hit that as hard as we can. Right. But with a 40 horsepower Johnson, you don't have that much power. But uh, in a jet boat, you would aim at that, and um, unless you get caught by one of the waves, uh, then you're lost. I don't care what you drive. Right. You know, and because the power of that water is just incredible. Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And yeah, yep. that you you even talked about that a little bit, about there were certain points where it would just be one of you would literally have to get out of the boat for the other one to be able to make it. And uh, Correct, and then the other one would be, I mean, that's amazing. The guy that I was with, uh, Bob McKinnon, who approached me for it, was a water polo player and swimmer at the University of Montana, Missoula, a tough guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he knew rivers very well. Right. And he had studied them going downstream. So he knew uh, we, would, we would be in front of a rapid, and he would read it and say, I think if we hit there. And then we did, and we couldn't make it. We had too many gas cans in, in the damn thing. So I had to he let me get off the boat before the rapid, and I carried the damn gas cans across on, on rocks to the other side. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, I don't know which one was dangerous, but anyway, it was an adventure, and it got me to to L.A. We oh. made a documentary film, and that's how I came to Los Angeles. Right, uh, and uh, that's an amazing story. Another one I just want to touch on, because I thought it just made me laugh hysterically when I read it, and I thought it was outstanding, is the little uh, um, passage you put in there about when you were working as a mover, and this lady just giving y'all hell at the top of the stairs, and 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 your coworker, you know, basically told her to shut the fuck up, and you were like, "Wait a minute." He, he, he was an old crusty American. There you go. <laughs> and, and we're carrying up a refrigerator. I re- I remember the time of day. I remember the night. I bet. And we're walking up the creaky stairs, and I was at the bottom holding onto the damn thing, and he was at the top. And as we slowly made it up the stairs. Uh, she said, now don't, don't touch this and now don't touch that. And, and he finally was exasperated, you know, holding onto the damn refrigerator. Right. Says, lady, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> and I, I, I thought, wait a minute, that sounds great. You know, I was still translating from, from, from English into German. Right. <laughs> How does he turn a verb into a noun? <laughs> shut the up. Right. And I just, I will never forget it. No, and I love how and you made, said... I love how you said after that you've effectively used the word ever since. I, I, I thought yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah, I, listen, I love American swear words. I, I love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> That's love fantastic. It. That's fantastic. Yes. So, okay, let's talk about 1961 because that's a pretty big year for you. Um, you, you your first acting job, you met your future wife, you signed with the eventual national uh, championship team. Um, it, it was a pretty big year. I, I won the, the national championship in 1973. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I signed, and anyway, go on. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I just, a pretty significant year for you. It just kind of seemed like where everything took off for you and kind of everything that was going to happen in your future kind of happened for you right there is where it kind of started. Yeah, you know, I have to say who, who played an enormous role, I, I, upon reflection, uh, was my wife. Um, an old American family and, and, and uh, she went to a Catholic high school here and, and, and private school and, and uh, was, very, was a Europhile. She loved French literature and, mm-hmm. and art and all that. And, and she had an understanding of what I wanted to do and she encouraged it. Right. Uh, she went to school with her daughters of Frank Sinatra and, and, and Mia Farrow and all those people and she, she knew the side of the business and she, she encouraged it. I think her encouragement helped me a great deal to continue uh, in this business. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's, absolutely. Um, I have to say, the longer I live, the more I realize that in, in, in important moments of my life, um, she played a big role. Absolutely. And you mentioned that several times throughout the book, Um, everything from the the name change to staying on the young and the restless to the Titanic. Um, I mean, those type decisions a lot you reference throughout the book. Um, So, yeah. And another thing I thought that was really interesting, because I don't know if a lot of people knew that when you came over here and you were doing the ranch hand and, you know, the cadaver cutting and stuff and the making the transition into acting, I thought it was an absolutely wonderful uh, chapter in the book when you describe showing up on set for the first time an hour and a half late, not having any idea what the script was or even what you were doing, and that you so much respect for you for crediting the script supervisor um, and coming up to you and saying, hey, it's a, it's a perfect example of what you were speaking to earlier about somebody giving you a helping hand and, get, and getting you through to what you were trying to accomplish. And I, I thought that was a great story um, about, about how you were able to do that and how she came that forward. Was, that was simple human kindness on her part. Absolutely. You know, and without that, who knows, I might, might not be sitting at being interviewed by you. Uh, agreed. Uh, agreed. And um, by the way, I just thought it was hysterical also when you were talking about the pages and the colored pages and how you tossed them because you had no idea what that meant. That was hysterical I to no me. Clue. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had no clue. That was so funny. I, and that's uh, that was um, uh, Bobby Sierks, correct? Is that, that's that's who that was that that kind of helped you out there, correct? Bobby Sierks. Right? Yeah. She was a script lady. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating story. She, she unfortunately passed before I could thank her, you know? Right. Uh, well, yeah. and I, I kind of want to talk on that a little bit, too, because throughout you also, and you do mention that it was unfortunate that you weren't able to thank her, but throughout the book, I think you do a great job, and, you, and uh, there's a lot of recognition showing your son also and talking about your son, but the way that you do, uh, it was a theme throughout the book, your appreciation for the people who have helped you and been able to get you to the spots that you were at, and you may you have a great... Um, section when you talk about Muhammad Ali and Pele and about how they understand and respect the people who get them there, including the fans. I love the section where you talked about how Pele came in and went immediately to the kitchen and thanked the kitchen staff and understood that who gets him where and why he's in the position that he's in. And I thought it was fantastic that your son was there. And this is a kind of thing as a father you're sharing with your son about this is how it should be and how you, I just thought you did an outstanding job writing it and effectively showing your appreciation throughout the book. Um, You obviously did an outstanding job reading it and understanding it. 
Well, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Like I said, I was impressed by, by, by your writing. Um, I was impressed by your story. And I want to talk a bit about the relationship with your son. I, I'm a single parent with a daughter, and I've tried to do the same thing and, and express the right way to treat people and how to appreciate stuff. And I think your relationship with your son is amazing. Um, the story, even that how it was your only child because of the, the problematic um, pregnancy and stuff. But you, you can tell you just, I love how often you reference that it's the single greatest accomplishment and the most important person and how you reference your son in that relationship. Much respect for you, sir. Um, I, I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's, it's, talk almost daily you know and uh, um, yep it's it's I would say that moment when he was born was arguably the biggest moment in my life right right and 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 rightfully so. I mean, as a father, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's it's by far what I consider my greatest accomplishment. No matter what I continue to do in life, I, I think that's my most important role and my best accomplishment. And I, like I said, I just the way you speak of him is, is phenomenal, and I, I just love that relationship. Um, now, he, and you know, when, it, when, it, when you when you think of it, what an extraordinary moment. I mean, what a just think about the process of of a child being conceived and then. It grows and then it's born. I mean, it's an incredible process. Absolutely. You know, we, we take so many things in nature for granted. It's it's just, think about it. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. It is. The longer you live, the more you think sometimes about, you know, the interconnectedness of things and, and, and wow. And then there's always that moment when you say, who, who thought of all this? Who... That's where religion comes in. Right. You know, you always get to a point where you can't answer it. And, and, and it's a mystery. Where does it all come from? And that's when you think there was a creator somewhere. It's, it's, it's just, think, we, we take so many things around us for granted. When you really think about it, say, my God almighty, think of the genius in human beings from early on to build the extraordinary buildings in the world. Right. Think of medicine, the extraordinary accomplishments of understanding the body. I mean, it's, it's the whole thing to me sometimes is just, uh, one has to stand there and say, my God, um, where does all this come from? And that's where I understand people who become religious. Right. Um, it's a kind of it's a kind of spiritual feeling that you also get by by listening certain music and you say wow you know I mean listen to to, uh, Aretha Franklin uh, uh, certain blues uh, certain singers listen to Beethoven Beethoven's ninth when the choral part sounds I mean it's just extraordinary and where does that come from and I think we should embrace that mystery rather than rather than saying, no, I don't believe in it, or I don't believe in God, or I do believe in God, or whatever. To me, it's a mystery. Right. It, it's just a magnificent mystery. Absolutely. And mostly expressed in certain pieces of music, where you just stand there and say, wow, you know, or, or certain paintings, or um, certain buildings. Uh, I mean... You know, human, human beings are, yes, we are capable of great cruelty, but we are capable also of enormous accomplishments. Agreed. Enormous accomplishments. 
Agreed. Uh, speaking of um, Aretha Franklin, uh, the recent passing, I know that she was a big fan of yours and the show, and that um, I, I, I liked your tribute to her. I, I, I thought what you said about her passing was, I, it had to have been, and Burt Reynolds recently, I know you worked with Burt Reynolds in the past. The amount of extraordinary people that you've been able to work with or come across during during this amazing journey of yours is spectacular in itself. Um what, what what was it like? I mean, kind of kind of talk talk to us a little bit about Aretha and about Bert and you know your feelings on them and their passing. Well, um, you know she uh, she passed too soon, and and uh, uh, what an enormous accomplishment! Uh, listening to her songs and listening to her perform is just. Uh, I've met her three, four times, and uh, she was a big fan of the show, as you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a mutual admiration society, and and I just after she died, they they showed uh, her uh, stepping in for Pavarotti, right? And uh, his signature piece was was Nessum Dorma, a uh, Puccini opera, and and she stepped in for him and did her own version of it. I tell you, it just brought tears to my eyes. It's just extraordinary. Mm. Just extraordinary. And it's, it's, um, uh, now Bert is a totally different story. Uh, Bert Reynolds, we did a hundred rifles together. Right. A film in Spain in 1969. And, and, uh, I just remember him, a very nice guy. And he was a great athlete. He was a very tough guy. Yeah. He did all the stunts himself. And he rode out of, you know, running trains and all that. I mean, he, he was a tough guy. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, but very pleasant. I um, I got to know Jim Brown a little bit better. And uh, uh, he and I worked out together a lot. And uh, a lot of talks then about civil rights and the Vietnam War and all that. Absolutely. And um, enormous respect for that guy and his... his uh, I mean, that guy's uh, legacy on the football field is just extraordinary. Absolutely. Just extraordinary. Absolutely. And there's a great little antidote in the, bo- uh, in the book about the two of them uh, when you say that, you know, here's, here's Jim Brown and then Burt Reynolds trying to tackle him, which was absolutely hilarious. Because uh, like you yeah. said, Burt Reynolds is a tough guy, but trying to take down Jim Brown, that's a whole different story. So. That's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Um, I, and by the way, another great uh, great thing that I loved about the book, and by the way, I've recommended the book to just about everybody I know. I think it's inspirational and motivational and something everybody should read when they get a chance. But you do a really good job throughout all of the serious tones in the book to interject little little antidotes of humor like that amongst the book. I, I just think it's brilliantly written. So uh, I just wanted to say that because, again, I enjoyed it. There were moments where I was just laughing out loud and then moments where I was just in awe of the series of what you were talking about it was just so well done um yeah you, no you're very welcome and then okay so let, let's just touch on it a little bit because this is an impressive run i mean you did win the daytime emmy for it and i, I 38 years at anything is an amazing accomplishment i mean in in itself um and the story about how that started how you even got involved of, in doing it was remarkable in itself, but um, congratulations on that. Like I said, 38 years to make a commitment like that to anything is an impressive accomplishment. Um, so much, much congratulations to you on that. Well, to, to be honest with you, a lot of that has to do with the with, with the fans, with the audience. Absolutely. You 
it's it's uh, a lot of it has to do with that. It's it's uh, the reaction of of uh, people who watch the show is what encourages one to 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 go on. It really does because you realize that what you do makes a difference, and they listen and they watch very carefully. Yes, and they're unhappy or happy with whatever one does, and uh, so I, I cannot, I cannot, um, you know, overestimate the the uh, contribution of of fans who watch the show, who let us know about it. And that means a lot to all of us. Huh. And then I was lucky to, to, you know, Bill Bell laid an extraordinary foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the originator and, and the head writer of Weinar for many, many years. And uh, he laid the foundation. And that's why we have sustained, uh, the, the show has sustained itself for, for that many years. And it's been number one for over 30 years now. Right. So, um, yeah, and then I have wonderful co-workers, you know. It's, it's Melody Thomas-Scott, who plays Nikki has been wonderful, and, and uh, um, Peter Bergman, who plays Jack Abbott, um, great professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we respect each other. Uh, Dougie Davidson, um, great sense of humor, and, and, and damn good actor. Eileen Davidson, absolutely wonderful, and uh, it goes on and on. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, Christoph St. John, uh, uh, Christian Leblanc, who is from Louisiana down there. Right. And... Um, it goes on. There's so many good actors. Yeah, on the show. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been a fan since 1980. Since you're, I, you know, as a young boy, all the way through, I still watch it every day. Um, so I am one of those fans. I appreciate your work and and what goes into it. And I, I love how you talk about what goes into it and that it, you know, the people who discount it as something anything but what it is. I, I love how you address that in the book. But I am going to give you a little bit of credit for the for the extension of. Victor, because you talk about it in the book a little bit about how you felt you didn't understand why people would be interested in him because you couldn't understand the motivation of why he was the way he was. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with you saying what you think and putting it out there and uh, I guess approaching Bill and saying, I need a backstory on this guy. I need to figure out why he is the way he is. And I think if you don't do that, maybe Victor isn't around for 38 years. So to your credit, I think that you do have a lot to do with the the longevity of the character because I thought going to him and saying, we need a background on this guy was a brilliant move. That's, um, that's a very good point. Um, that's a very good point because I don't think I would have stayed without that because it, it gives it a, a, a much more rounded character. Um, uh, you're right. And, and it was that point after I played that first scene with Melody uh, Nikki, um, where I gave her some insight into my background. Uh, after that, I said, "I'm now I'm going to stay because I saw the potential of that." Right. You know? Right. And as for all the fans know, I mean, moving on, we got to see a lot of that. We got to see the mother. We got George Kennedy as the father. And we got to see a lot of that play out, which was some of the best work, I think, uh, throughout the series, honestly. I thought those were some of the most powerful scenes and best storylines. So uh, congratulations George on Kennedy, that. George Kennedy, bless his soul. What a, what a, I did a film with him, uh, the man who came back, and I hired him for it. And, and I have such respect for that man. You know, he was about six four, six five. Yes. And weighed about 300 pounds. And he sat in the hot Texas sun and, and with his um, costume on, his uniform on or whatever, and never complained. Never said a word 
was ready with the dialogue. I have such respect for that man. It's, it's, and he regaled us with, with all the stories about, you know, working with Paul Newman and all that. And I just, the deepest respect for him. Absolutely. And I'm glad yeah. you brought that yep. film up because, uh, you were actually involved with the producing and the behind-the-scenes production work on that film, even so far into yes. the casting and in post-production, the editing, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and how was that? Did you did, uh, From what I read in the book, you really enjoyed that aspect of the filmmaking process. I probably, I probably enjoyed that more than anything else I've ever done, and, uh, except it comes to a, a better end in that you hand it over to a distribution company, and once you do that, they do with it what they want. Right. Period. Yep. And uh, that is one of the most sobering moments in this business, primarily as an, for an independent producer. You hand it over to whatever production, whatever uh, uh, distributor you have agreed to sign with, and once you do that, you may as well walk away. Right. Because they do what they want. Yep. And that is uh, a most sobering uh, moment. And I worked with wonderful people in the South, with Chuck Walker, who was the only white guy on the 1976 Olympic boxing team with Sugar Ray and, and all those guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chuck approached me years and years ago and um, um, had a wonderful time working on the film. Absolutely wonderful time. Uh, all the other actors from, from Billy Zane to, to Armand Asante to... Sean Young, I mean, um, Peter Jason, they were all wonderful to work with. And Kenny Norton. Right, Ken Norton, yeah. I'm a heavyweight champion of the world. Ken yes, Norton, indeed. Who had the deepest respect for. I have enormous respect for fighters. You know? Absolutely. Great respect for them. Absolutely. And, um, anyway, so it, it was a joy, absolute joy to work on. And I'd do it again uh, if I didn't have to worry about distribution and all that stuff. Absolutely. That's, that was my question. Would you do it again if you could skip all the nightmare side of it? And yeah, because you yeah, could just... If I, if I, in other words, if I didn't have to go through the sobering process of handing it over to some distribution company who they think they know it better, and they don't. And, uh, but you lose control. You have no longer... Once you sign up, it's theirs. Right. And they do with it what they want. Yep. So uh, the only way to survive in this business when it comes to producing films, is to produce a lot and hopefully be successful, and then next time they don't screw with you as much. You perfect That's way it. to put it. That's a perfect way to anyway, put it. my friend, I've got to go. Yes, sir. Uh, it has been a pleasure, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with your podcast, and uh, what an incredible thing. You reach out to the world that way. Well, I thank you... Thank you, sir, and, and, and much respect to you. It has been an incredible conversation, and we appreciate it so much that you came on and talked to us, and much success in the future to you. May, may everything continue to, to go the way it is, and open invite, sir, anytime you'd like to come back, and just, I mean, we'd be more than happy, and we are so thankful that you took the time to do it today. I remember, I, I once was in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I liked it a lot. Well, <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah I, 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 the South fascinates me. It does. I must say, it, it, it fascinates me. It's, it's a part of America that's just, it's a little different, and, and it, it fascinates me. Some of the best writers in America come from the South. Absolutely, know. absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's um, that's so interesting. Anyway, nice talking to you, and uh, I'm looking forward to football season. Uh, us too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the Carolina Panthers, among others and through a friend, and um, 
but now I'm looking for the Rams again. All right, then. <laughs> uh, I'm also I'm a big fan. I must say great respect for uh, uh, Drew Brees. Yeah, know, yes, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, yeah, quite the resurgence with the Saints, right? I mean, I'm a big fan of his as well. Yeah, and the guy I admire the most, to be honest with you, is, is Peyton Manning. Absolutely. I just... And, and whatever you think about New England or the Patriots, I have nothing but respect for them, but Tom Brady, to me, is a miracle in sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. The guy who was the least likely to succeed became arguably the most prolific quarterback in the NFL. Yep. That's unbelievable. Who, who if, yep. yeah, absolutely. If Bledsoe never goes down, we might never have seen uh, Tom Brady. Yep. That's, you're exactly right. Yep. Against all odds. Tom Brady did it against all odds. Yep. Anyway, um, good luck and uh, be kind to your daughter. Always be loving. Absolutely. So never forget it. Uh, okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You take because care now. All right. Bye-bye.